0: Well, we are so happy that you're here today. We are wrapping up a series that we have been on for the last five weeks here at Homestead called The Shelter of Your Wing. And we have been talking about battles, with depression, anxiety, and mental illness, but really, I think a lot of us, it's just boiled down to what do you do when you're going through hard times? For some of you, last week, Jeff had a great message of just talking about times when things are hard, and all of us can have gone through seasons where things are difficult, but we also have been really purposeful about talking about um, when things are go to the next level of difficulty when depression comes into your home and depression has come into our home and we have Jeff and I have both dealt with it and dealt with it with our children and I think all of us can think of somebody maybe that you know that has struggled with depression has struggled with anxiety has struggled with panic attacks has struggled with a severe phobia that has caused problems um, struggled with things that have led to addiction because of the emotional things going on inside and so we want to be really purposeful to continue to talk about those things, because I know when we went through it in our home and in our family, it was really difficult to know where to turn. What do we do? Where do we go for help? Who do we talk to? And you know what? The first people that came to my mind were people who had shared their journey with me and said, you know what? I struggled with depression for a while, and here's how God helped me get through that. And so it's so important that we keep talking about it, and so that's why as a church, we have been talking about it for the last five weeks. Um, Before I dive into my message, I wanted to just share a couple resources, because I know sometimes that is really helpful to be able to go home and and go to Amazon and get a book or look up some kind of resources. So I wanted to share a few resources that I have found really helpful. One is called um, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, Discouragement and Depression. this is by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. They're the authors who wrote the Boundaries books. This is a great, it's just a short little read, but it's really purposeful. What to do when you don't know what to do. It's a really great first step. Maybe you're wondering like, you know, I've been feeling kind of down or my spouse is struggling. This is a really great first step to kind of help you um, figure out what you should do next. What to do when you don't know what to do. Um, Another resource that I thought was really great is called Help (laughs) with an exclamation point. Someone I love is depressed because depression isn't something that just affects one person. If someone you love is depressed, it affects you as well. And I know sometimes we don't know what to do, how to help. And so this is a really great resource. It's by Greg Russ. That's another great resource. And another new resource that I picked up just this fall, it's a brand new book by Max Lucado, who is one of my favorite authors. He just writes, he writes, it's like a warm hug. (laughs) His writing is just beautiful. And this is called Anxious for Nothing. And it is specifically about anxiety. And it's a new book that he spends time talking about the epidemic in our culture of anxiety. And it's really, really, really good. And along with that book, he has put together a little 11-week action plan that goes with it, which is incredible. It's just little action steps that you can take every week to help you if you are battling anxiety. So these are all some resources that I would highly recommend if you're looking for resources. Um, and Jeff and I are available to talk if you want um, information about counselors, if you want resources about different doctors that that we know that are Christian counselors or people that can help you, we would love to be able to help resource you. So don't be afraid to ask. So let's say a word of prayer and then we'll dive into our message. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful that you're close. We're grateful that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, you don't abandon us. And there are times, Lord, when we feel like the darkness is closing in around us and I thank you that you are a light. And I pray that today, Jesus, that your light would shine into the darkest place, that you would bring hope to those who are weary, you would bring hope to those who are are hopeless, and today you would shine the light of your truth into every heart and every mind. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are going to be talking about the light of Christ today. As we have gone through this series, you can go back and listen to the messages. We talked about how mental illness isn't just a one-sided thing. It's a a composite of a lot of different things. There are physical things that can be happening in our bodies. And so sometimes the most important thing you can do is look at your physical body and say, hey, you know what? I think maybe something's whacked out with my hormones or my thyroid, or maybe I have just been going so hard, my body is in desperate need of rest, and that is contributing to the depression in my life. So we have to look at physical characteristics, physical things that are going on, and we want to be very clear, as we have talked about this series, that medication is a answer from Jesus for some people, and there is nothing wrong with seeking medical help. If you have something in your brain, a chemical that is not firing right, it is okay to seek medical treatment, and so there can be physical components. And then there are spiritual components. In the first week, we talked about how there is an enemy that fights against us, and there is a spiritual element to fighting this battle of depression and mental illness. And we talked about that there is a God who fights for us, especially when we're weary and we're tired and it feels like the battles, the arrows are coming faster than you can shield yourself, that there is a God who tucks us safely under his wing and pulls out a sword and then fights on our behalf. So we talked about that there's physical and spiritual, and then there's also emotional things. And we talked the second week about how we have to deal with our baggage. That a lot of time, our mental illness and our depression and things like that are tied to things that are broken inside of us. And God does not just slap a band on things. He heals things. And he wants to come to those places in your heart and your life that have been broken. And he wants to bring wholeness and healing. And once he gets to the root of that, then you're going to find some of those symptoms begin to go away. And then Jeff talked about rest. He talked about how loud the chatter of our culture is these days and how we have to be purposeful about not only resting our bodies, but resting our souls. And finding times that we step outside of the constant barrage of information and find rest. And then last week, like I mentioned, Jeff talked about sometimes things are just hard. He talked about kasha This week, yeah, last week, we talked about kasha is the word for hard. All week, I was like, oh, this is kasha. Like All week long when my Christmas lights were tangled. <laughs> this is kasha. Sometimes things are just hard. And when things are hard, God has promised to be a help to us. And so today, we are going to wrap this up. And I wanted to go back to Psalm 91, which was kind of the whole um, background of where this, this theme for this series came from. And as I was reading Psalm 91 this summer, there was a verse that stuck out to me. And that is when I said, you know, I really think this chapter really, really speaks to those who are struggling with mental illness. And the verse that stuck out to me was this. In Psalm 91, verse 6, it says this. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness. And I don't know if there is a greater analogy to talk about what depression feels like, then it's the disease that stalks in the darkness. It is that thing that comes in the night. It is that thing that brings darkness around us. The Bible talks a lot about darkness and light in a lot of different contexts, but I think when we talk about mental illness, darkness is a very fitting analogy because when you are struggling with depression, it's that this sense of darkness has just come over you. You can't see your way out. You can't see what's around you. You can't enjoy things. You can't really see what's around you. And it's dark and scary. And anxiety is most definitely a feeling of darkness. Like a dark cloud has just come over you and that something's wrong. And it's that feeling inside of you that something is always wrong. And just around the corner, something terrible is going to happen. And that, that anxiety is a dark cloud that hangs over us. And yet scripture reminds us over and over and over again that Jesus came to bring light into the darkness. That there is darkness, but that does not have to overtake us because there is light. And there's two scriptures that we read a lot this time of year when we're talking about Christmas and we're talking about getting into the holiday season. And one is in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, one of the prophecies that talk about Jesus. It talks about the Messiah that was going to come to earth. And it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And for those who live in a land of deep darkness... A light will shine. That was the promise of what Jesus was going to do when he came. People in walking in darkness are going to see a great light. And we also see in Luke chapter 1, right at the beginning of the gospel of Luke, when we see the story about Jesus and his cousin John the Baptist has been born, and we are just days away from Jesus being born, from Mary giving birth to Jesus. We see Zachariah, who is Jesus' um his cousin's dad. What is that? I don't know. I didn't think that through. I should have wrote it down. But Zechariah writes a song and sings a song after John the Baptist has been born, and Jesus is just getting ready to come. And this is what the song of Zechariah says. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide us to the path of peace. Isn't that beautiful? The morning light of heaven is about to dawn on us. He was speaking of Jesus who was going to come and be born in a manger. The gospel message is that light has broken through the darkness, that light has come. And this is true for our salvation, for those of us who have asked Jesus to come into our life, that darkness has been Pushed aside, and the light of Christ has come. But it's also true when we face struggles and when we face times that feel dark, when we face things that feel dark, we can know that there is a light that will come in the midst of our darkness. 2 Corinthians 4 6 through 9 says, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. That's the difference that light makes. We can face darkness. We can face hard things, and yet it will not overcome us because we have the light of Christ. And when we face struggles, hardship, and yes, even depression, anxiety, or mental illness, we can know that there is the light of hope in Jesus. So how do we walk in this light? If there is light available to us in the darkness, how do we do that? How do we access it? How do we apply it to our lives? Essentially, how do we turn the light on? So I brought my lamp today. This is from my, my house. I bought it at Goodwill 20 years ago. It's got about 20 layers of paint. I keep changing it. I might have had to dust it quite a bit this morning. But I want you to have this picture, that there are things that we can do that will turn the light on in our lives. And there are things that we can do that will turn it off. And there is light available to every single one of us, and yet we have to participate in some of those things. And so what can we do? How can we turn the light on when we're facing darkness, when we're facing situations? So the first thing we do is this. Opening up to others turns a light on. Opening up to other people turns a light on. You know what? Dark things love the dark. Dark things love the dark. Things in darkness like to keep everything hidden and dark. And that is why when people are struggling with things, the first inclination that you have is don't tell anybody. Don't be honest, don't share it. That's embarrassing, that's shameful. Keep that hidden, keep that secret. And yet something profound happens when we stop and go, you know what, I'm gonna turn that light on. I'm gonna share with somebody what I'm going through. When you suffer alone, And don't share your struggles with someone else. Darkness grows. It gets bigger. It feels more looming. When you don't share with other people, when you don't open up to people, the darkness gets a hold. But as soon as you open up and begin to share with people and talk about what's going on in your heart and your mind, it turns a light on. It turns a light in. This is why we are so purposeful about talking about it at Homestead because we never want anybody sitting going, I don't know that if I could ever admit that I have struggled with depression. Well, you know what? I have. It's okay. It's okay to admit that. There's nothing wrong with that. We can be vulnerable. We can be open and transparent about these things. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And the more we talk about it, it turns a light on. When you share your struggles, it turns a light on for someone else. And when we open up to other people, it turns a light on in our heart. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says this. Is any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Well, then you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That word confess that James uses means to openly declare without reservation, without holding anything back. Just basically I look at it this way. Call for reinforcements. Don't try and do this alone. Don't try and say, you know what, I'm just going to handle this myself. I'm just going to figure it out myself. I'm just going to just isolate myself and I'm going I'm to work it all out. That does not work. The Bible tells us, hey, are you sick? Are you having a hard time? Call for help. Ask people that love Jesus to come alongside of you and help you. Confess to one another. This is what I'm struggling with. It turns the light on. In one of those books, Dr. Cloud and Townsend said this, Surround yourself with people who are committed to support you, encourage you, assist you, and pray for you. One of the ways that God works is through other people. Some of these people will just show up in your life, sent at just the right time. But others you'll have to seek out. They can range from professionals to a neighbor or to a friend at church. I recently saw a video online that shares a story about how someone else came alongside a girl who was struggling with depression and turned a light on for her. And I'd just like to show you that little clip.
1: Reveal itself in many ways we heard of a story of a 16-year-old girl who was so depressed she couldn't get out of bed for months mm. So her hair was completely matted down to her scalp when she finally walked into a salon desperate for help She asked the stylist to just shave it because she felt so hopeless mm. Well knowing how important her hair was to her instead of shaving her hair the hairstylist worked for hours and hours untangling it mm. and giving this teen a total transformation not just in her hair but her outlook in life. And that activity alone makes such a difference. That hairstylist is here today all the way from Iowa. Kaylee joins us. Kudos to you. Thank you. (laughs) Because we were just talking about how a ray of sunshine, the slightest bit of hope, can literally change a, a teenage girl's life and outlook. That day, I'm curious, what went through your mind, realizing that this may seem like a small gesture, but I'm going to wipe out everything else I had to do today and do something special for for this girl?
0: Well, having her come in bawling, and I was like, what? Like, I, I did, I just, my heart was in pieces. And I told her, I was like, she, she looked at me and said, like, I'm worthless, this is worthless, just shave it off. And I couldn't do that to a 16-year-old girl. like no way could any, should any child or person feel like they're that worthless that they wanted to shave their hair. So I buckled down and I found anything I possibly could to just brush and brush and brush and conditioner and just brush. And 13 hours later, we got it out. Wow. Isn't that a great story? I love two parts of that. I love A, that the girl went. I'm gonna to go to a salon. I have to think there was a little bit of her that she could have shaved that hair at home, but maybe something in her was like, if I could just go talk to somebody or just reach out a little bit, maybe that would turn the light on a little bit. And then this stylist Man, she turned on a floodlight, didn't she? She said, you are worth something, and you're worth my time and my energy. And it's a good reminder to every single one of us that we can be that person that can shine the light of hope to somebody who is really struggling, to somebody who feels like they're worthless, that feels like no one would have time for them, that feels lost and alone. You can be the light that shines hope to somebody else. Maybe it's just a kind gesture. Maybe it's just a quick text. Maybe it's a little gift to somebody that you know is struggling over the holidays. Whatever it is, maybe it's just being a listening ear. Don't be afraid to get involved in people's stories. You can shine the light of hope into people's lives. So that's one way that we turn the light in. Open up, ask for help, be brave, be vulnerable, and ask for help. How else do we turn the light on? Number two, stop inviting darkness. Stop inviting darkness. You know, the truth is there are things that you and I can do or think about or participate in that actually invite darkness into our lives. And sometimes that doesn't make sense. You think, man, I I have been begging God to take the darkness out, and yet there are things that we are doing that keep turning that light off. They keep doing it. We participate in things. We're thinking about things. We are engaging in things that bring and invite the dark into our lives. I want to read a passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 5, and it says this. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try and excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That passage lists a few things that invite darkness. It says that it invites it. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed, worshiping things of this world. These are things that scripture says they're full of darkness. And when you participate in these things, you are inviting darkness into your lives. Jeff and I recently went downtown for a night out for his birthday, went into the big city as Farmington folk, you know, it's a big deal. And so we went out to a restaurant and then afterwards we thought, well, let's just walk around downtown a little bit. Let's just kind of walk around and look at the lights and stuff. And we were walking and we walked past a club and I don't even know what it was called. And there were a whole bunch of people standing outside of it. And I can't describe how instantly I just felt this darkness in my heart. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good dance party. I'm not has nothing to do with having fun or anything like that. But there was something about that environment that it just felt so dark. And the people who were standing outside of it, I just wanted to go hug them all and call their mothers. Because it just, it just, they looked so lost. They looked so dark. And we were with some friends who, um, he's a professional drummer and he plays a lot of jazz gigs downtown. And he says, oh, Christy wait till 2 a.m. when I'm loading up my stuff at the end of the night and I'm going out the back alley of some little jazz club. He's like, it breaks my heart. I can hardly even stand it. And I know you know what I'm talking about, that moment where you just feel that darkness, where there's just something that's happening. People are so lost and it just feels like there's a grip of darkness over somebody. And yet people are walking into it. And I don't know what the thing is for you, that you feel that darkness coming in. Maybe it's when you look at something on your computer. Or maybe it's when you watch a certain thing. Or maybe it's when you allow your thoughts to go somewhere. And all of a sudden, you feel that darkness start to come in. And yet, over and over again, we indulge those things. We keep participating in those things. We don't stop inviting the darkness in. You know, God is not out to spoil our fun. I think, you know, the Bible talks about a lot of things. This is, don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, don't do this either. And it's not that God is a big, you know, bummer, a killjoy, but he is a good father. And he knows that there are things that are not good for us. There are things that will hurt us. And the enemy would like to say, no, 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 be free, do whatever you want. And yet those things always come back and bring darkness into our hearts and our lives. And so when he says, don't do something, he has a reason. Just like with my kids, they don't love it when I tell them that they can't do something. And yet they might not see everything that I see. Say, hey, this is not good for you. I don't want you to do this because this is going to hurt you. And so we have to be mindful about the things that God says, hey, don't do that. When you do that, you will invite darkness. That passage in Ephesians says, you once were that in the dark, but now live as people of the light. So when you sense darkness, walk away from it. Turn away from it. Stop inviting it in. Be purposeful about things that bring darkness. What is that for you? Is it something that you're reading? Is it something that you're watching? Is it something that you're doing what is it? Whatever that thing is, flee from it, run from it. And I promise you, the darkness will lose its grip on you. If you want to be in the light, stop doing the things that invite darkness. So we turn on the light by opening up to others, by staying away from things that invite darkness. And last point today, we remember that the Word of God is a lamp. The word of God is a lamp. This has just come alive in my heart in the last few months. One of my favorite portions of scripture that I've, probably one of the first things I memorized even as a child is Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. If you were around church in the 80s, Amy Grant had a had a song, thy word is lamp. My sister and I sang that a million times at church, I'm sure. Is a lamp to my feet. We did that all the time. But... I always thought of this verse in one particular concept. I always thought, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And somewhere in my mind, I thought that that meant that God was going to direct my path and show me where to go and when I needed to make decisions about where to go to college or or who my spouse was going to be or whether or not I should go to McDonald's or Culver's, that the Lord would guide my path. I kind of thought of it as a direction type of thing. But recently, I've been thinking about this scripture in a new way, that your word... Is literally a lamp that when things are dark that it actually when I'm in the dark and I'm hurting and I'm broken and I'm overwhelmed that one word of scripture one verse will literally turn on a light Now, I don't know about you, but my kids don't like to go to bed in the dark. Now, they're getting a little older, it's a little better. But it was always a very, very big deal about, mom, I'm scared, can you turn on the bathroom light? And then you'd have to have it cracked a certain amount. If it was too much, then it was too bright and they couldn't fall asleep. But if it was too little, it's not enough light. Anybody else, your kids, it's like a whole deal about the level of bathroom lightness allowed. And for us, I think a lot of us, when we are afraid, sometimes we just want to turn the light on. We just need a light. We just need a little bit of hope. And I love this idea that the Word of God is a lamp, that in the dark, that when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you're broken, that the Word of God literally turns on a light when you're sitting in the dark. I just think that that is so great. The Bible tells us scripture will turn on a light. You know, when you talk to people who have gotten to the other side of depression or anxiety, most of them will say this, I just began devouring scripture. I wrote scriptures on cards. I stuck them in my purse. I stuck them in the window. I had them in my car. And I just kept reading Bible verses over and over and over again. Why is that? Why does that work? Well, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I think a lot of us look at the Bible as an object, as just a book. But something changes when we look at the Bible as living and active, That's it's alive. It's alive. I've shared this analogy before, but I think it bears repeating. My grandmother, Pennington, grandpa's here today, but my grandma used to teach me how to bake all the time. And we would bake all kinds of stuff. This time of year, it would be sour cream, sugar cookies, and all the different things. But her favorite thing to make for Christmas morning was cinnamon rolls. And so whenever we would make homemade cinnamon rolls, we would start the process, and she always would say the same thing. She would say, Christy there is something spiritual about working with yeast because it's alive. And I would always be like, that's gross, I don't, that's weird and I never quite understood it because you take a little package of yeast and it's just been sitting on the shelf and yet you put it in some warm water and all of a sudden, it starts bubbling, and it starts activating. And then you put it in dough, and all of a sudden, you let it rise. And it was always my favorite thing. We'd go off and do something else, and we'd come back and find the dough. She would have a, always have a tea towel over it, and then I would get to punch it down. Punch it down, and then you let it rise again. And it was like, this is so cool. This is the neatest thing. We actually just in Bazooka Boys and Polka Dot Girls a few weeks ago, we were doing science experiments, and we made like an erupting volcano out of Yeast and the kids thought that was pretty fun. Pastor Jeff really enjoyed exploding things with yeast. But yeast is alive, it's alive, but it doesn't do any good just sitting there in the packet, it has to be activated. So you activate it, and all of the sudden, it comes alive, and it starts working. It gets in there, and it starts eating the sugar and causing carbon, uh, carbon, whatever, carbon dioxide bubbles. I wrote it down so I would remember. And it causes then the bread to rise and get bigger and bigger and bigger. The same is true when we say that the Bible is living and active. What that means is then when we activate it, when we speak scripture over something that we're dealing with, all of a sudden, it's activated, and it starts imparting that truth into our hearts and into our minds. It gets in there. It says it gets into the, between the joints and the marrow. It gets into us, and it begins moving things and changing things and healing things and activating things. The Bible is alive. It isn't just a nice book. It is alive. It's living and active, and it gets in us. This is the point that I like to call why the Bible is different from Oprah. This is not just like nice ideas or really good sentiments or just really good things to think about. It's living and active. For instance, if I go on Pinterest and I find a really cute picture that says, you can do it. Well, that's nice. And that might encourage me to like, yeah, I can do that. And I can go through my day going, I can do that. I can do that. But there's something different when I go on Pinterest and I see a scripture and I, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a scripture, that's a promise from the word of God and it's living and active. And when I begin to speak that over my day, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And believe me, I've done it like on the treadmill. I can't do it anymore. Wait, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I get home and I don't know how to do, handle a situation with my kids. Wait, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The difference is the Pinterest picture inspires me The scripture gets in there and actually imparts strength into me. It is supernatural. We can't get our heads around it. But why, oh, why would we not activate it every part of our day to be speaking scripture over our family and over our kids and over the situations we faced? It's living and active. It will actually impart things into you if you will activate it in your life. It is living and it is active. And it is a lamp And this is as practical as I can get when we are talking about how do you get through depression and anxiety. Memorize scripture. Quote it over your life. It literally is turning a light on. When you are lying in your bed and you are feeling overwhelmed and you are feeling that cloud coming over you, instead of thinking, I can do it, stop and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the light will turn on. And this has begun a habit for me when I start to feel down, when I start to feel discouraged, when I feel weary, when I feel darkness coming in. I have just learned, I'm turning on the light. I'm turning on the light. One scripture, one thought, one promise of God will make the darkness dispel. So as we have had this series, we printed off little books of scriptures for you. And it's not just because they're nice little sayings. It's because it's living and active and powerful. And if you will say these things over your life and speak them and pray them and believe them and look at them and meditate on them, it will come in and it will bring wholeness and healing and health to you. So we have more at the Welcome Center. We want you to take them home. Take them to your friends and family and meditate on the scripture. His word is a lamp. And if you're in the dark, it will turn on the light. So as I close today, those are three things of how we can turn the light on. And so some of you today, maybe what you're taking away is, I need to talk to somebody. I need to just call for reinforcements. I've been struggling alone. I haven't been vulnerable and shared with anybody the struggles I'm having. Maybe for today, you need to just reach out to somebody. Maybe the Lord has Put somebody on your heart that you need to reach out to who's been struggling, and you're going to help turn a light on for them. We can't fix people. We can't take away their depression, but we can most certainly turn a light on for somebody. And maybe this week you need to reach out to somebody. Maybe God has really revealed to you today something that you've been inviting darkness, and you're wondering, God, why does it always feel this cloud is over me? And today he's saying, you know what? If you will get this thing out of your heart, that darkness will go away. You're inviting it in. So walk in the light. Live as people of the light. Stop inviting darkness. And maybe today for you, you just need to know that there is a light, there is a lamp, and it is the word of God. And if you will activate it in your situation, it will bring light to your situation. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you don't leave us in the dark. We sang today that you are a good father. And no good parent leaves their scared child in the dark. And there are women and men here today, Lord, who feel like they've been in the dark for a long time. And I thank you that today you are showing them how they can participate in turning on a light. Lord, I just pray that for those who have feel like they have been sitting in darkness for a long time, that that prophecy Isaiah said, the people in walking in darkness will see a great light, that today would be the beginning of a light shining into the darkness and that they would be able to see their way out, that the hope of Jesus would come and take hold of their heart, that they would know they're going to get through this. They're going to make it to the other side, that there is a light. His name is Jesus, and he is just as good as any of us could ever imagine. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would shine light in the darkness. And we just open our hearts up to you, Lord. What do you have for us to do to be able to participate in bringing light into our situations. Lord, maybe we need to reach out to somebody. Lord, maybe today we need to get rid of that that thing that we've been going to that has been inviting darkness. And maybe today we just need to be more purposeful about reading your word, about applying it and activating it to our situations, about allowing your word to get inside of us, to get in between all of the places. I love that your word just... It gets in there and it fills every crack. And it brings hope and restoration to us. Thank you for being such a good father. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.